Hey everybody, welcome back to the UNT College of Music In Context podcast, the show where we quarantine for two weeks between each rehearsal. My name is Hayden Drew, otherwise known as one half of your host experience. Rounding out the other half of your host experience is the extraordinary, the marvelous, the prodigious Hannah Brayfield. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) And also joining us today is the wonderful string teacher extraordinaire, Dr. Chappell. Hi, Dr. Chappell. Hi. (laughs) Good to see you. How are you doing? We're excited. (laughs) Yeah. Listeners, we've been talking about doing this podcast, like this episode with Dr. Chapel, because we both had her for Music Ed One and love her. So we've been talking (laughs) about this episode for a while and I'm stoked. So, yeah. We're great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, we always start off these uh, these, uh, things by getting into a little bit of like, ooh, your past. How did you get into the whole music deal. So could you please tell us a little bit about that kind of thing? Okay, so like music as me, a learner as a kid, or music education, like my profession. Um, The things that stand out to you that led you on your musical journey towards this profession? Okay, well, I think that um, that what shapes my philosophy a lot of times is just the happenstance, the... the, um, total just, I don't know, fate that, that uh, crosses our path, you know, to, that we get the opportunity to play music, to do music, to teach music. And I feel like that's, that's something that I feel um, has happened to me throughout my life um, for the important things. And, you know, I, I was, I started playing the violin through the University of Texas String Project in Austin. And it was because my mom had a friend who um, had her kid in string project and you know this person said hey this is uh, this is a, a cheap program <laughs> that appealed to my mom <laughs> and they give you instruments and you can just do it and she was like okay cool and um, I had a really wonderful teacher which I think your first teacher is so important um and i'm still in touch with her today (laughs) 22 years later (laughs) um (laughs) and i I, you know so i that shaped me um your your teachers are so important and i loved playing music and i loved playing the violin and i was motivated by it but um i thought that i might be a, a scientist when i was in high school a marine biologist specifically um And I worked in a lab one summer just to kind of get a feel for things. And all I wanted to do was practice my violin and be involved with music. And so I was not like, um, I don't know, you know, super fabulous or anything, but it's just something that just kept calling to me. And so um, I decided then I wanted to be a music therapist. So I uh, went, I looked at schools and I found that the the best one that that I wanted to go to was at uh, University of Kansas. So I went, I got a music therapy degree and um, all throughout I was playing strings. I had a a violin and a viola scholarship to go there. So I mean, strings were part of my life. Um, And then when I finished college, my music therapy degree, I decided I want to be a music therapist in the schools. Mm -hmm. So I needed a teaching certificate to do that. So um, UT Austin um, was, I went back home, Uh, my dad was sick, and um, and so I went back home, 
and I wanted to, and that's what UT Austin offered this program. I could get a um, master's degree and a music ed certificate, teaching certificate all in one. So I just, I did that thing and um, I, Judith Jellison was a former music therapist who was a professor there, so it all just seemed right to me. Um, but in my studies there, um, I still played my instrument. I loved doing that. I played in the orchestra. And um, as I was going to do my student teaching, I thought that I was going to do it in general music, which seems to go with, um, it seems to go with music therapy a little bit better. So that, that just seemed like the natural thing. But one of my professors, uh, Bob Duke, said, you know, you really like playing strings. Um, have you thought maybe you could do like half orchestra, half general music, elementary music? And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds good. And so I did and I went through. And um, when I finished my student teaching, which by the way, I love both, but you know, this, this string classroom, I was really excited about and I arranged pieces for them and-, and even still, it just didn't occur to me, like it, I was sort of forced, the whole faith thing came in, I, I mean, forced in a sense, um, because at the end of my student teaching, there was a hiring freeze on elementary music teachers, and the only jobs that I could get were string teaching jobs, and so I was like, okay. <laughs> Good thing I can do it still. <laughs> okay. So I, t I mean, I took that job and I went through and um, did it for eight years and uh, loved it. But I was just, again, talking to Bob Duke, you know, I ran into him at a conference and he's, and I was saying, oh, you know, I'm, I, I, there's some things I'm still curious about. And, and um, he said, well, you should come back and get a PhD. And I was like, really? Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my thing. Really? Okay. <laughs> so um, I did, and um, and it was you know mainly just out of curiosity. It wasn't like I want to be a college professor. It was it just had to do with I want I want a little time to think, and um, I'm interested in stuff, and I want to study that stuff. And and the the grind of teaching was kind of getting to me. I was uh, I also had young children at home, so I was just like. So um, that's kind of how I started the whole PhD program. Woo, that was a long one. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. So did I kind of answer the question? Did you, did yeah, I yeah, yeah, absolutely. Much there. And so then you came to UNT, you got a job at UNT, and you're like, I love teaching music ed, teaching strings. What was, what's the thing that you consider yourself the most like adamantly interested in here? I feel like I'm a string teacher pretty through and through. Um, Dr. Powell um, always kind of um, makes fun of me a little bit because um, he, he always says that string teachers, you know, like every other kind of music educator, like they, they just have the headshot. String teachers always got to stick their instruments in that headshot, you know? <laughs> There's like a little scroll there. <laughs> I think that's funny. that's funny, but that totally, yeah. You know, if you really want that scroll in your headshot, yeah, you're a string teacher. <laughs> but <laughs> like you consider, you know, and so I did do, I ended up um, teaching um, 18 years in the classroom, in an orchestra classroom, middle school. I love teaching beginners. I just love it. And so I'm so 
thankful that part of my job here is that I get to teach stream methods, which is beginners, oh. you know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. a stream yeah. project and I get to teach beginners. And I, I just love that. I love that first moment of just like, whoa, I played a song. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. so, I totally yeah. feel that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I think my, uh, I love teaching college. I love writing all that sort of stuff with college teaching. But yeah, if you're asking like where, where it starts, it's that stream teaching stuff. Oh. So could you tell us a little bit more about string project and like what exactly it is and how you could like maybe do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, string project is a, a program for our future teachers, for future orchestra teachers, generally orchestra teachers, who, um, and, and it is, I guess, a teacher education program, as well as a community offering. So I, I want it to be a, something to where if students join us, they get a, a, a good string education. The, the emphasis can't be just on teaching teachers how to teach and making mistakes on these kid, on these poor hapless children. I want them to be able to develop, you know, into musicians because it's just as much their experience as our teachers who are learning to be teachers. Uh, so that's a hard balance. Um, but uh, the reason that's important to me is, of course, that's how I started. And um, st string projects, there's uh, they're all over the country um, on university campuses. Um, the the idea is is you have a master teacher who teaches these, these um, new teachers how to work with children and then gives a chance to the um, emerging teacher to work, work with students and have short lessons and stuff like that. So here at UNT, um, it is actually part of, it's a, the lab portion of the 4,000 level music ed courses. So oh. if you're in the 4,000 level courses, you are teaching a portion of, usually it's the youth orchestra group. So you get 20 minutes each week to work with this young orchestra. And um, we have them videotape their lessons, videotape, I'm all, uh, <laughs> video <laughs> record. Uh, these, these, their lessons, they watch themselves teach, they analyze the heck out of themselves. I'm like, oh, did I just say um again? Uh, you know, <laughs> all the things, oh, yes. yeah, that uncomfortable watching yourself do something. Um, but hopefully they really learn how to lesson plan they learn um, how to, they, they choose one thing each semester to improve upon within their teaching. Um, and, you know, usually it's something like pacing or, uh, I, don't, I don't know, sequencing, something like that. They choose something yeah. and then they, they uh, take data on themselves and work on improving that thing and show that how they improve that thing about their teaching by the end. So um, that's kind of what it is. So who can be involved? At this point, it is string music education majors. But since we had added this, this degree plan to where if you are a band primary, you can do secondary orchestra, those secondary orchestra people can be uh, involved with string project. Ooh, I didn't know that. I didn't know about the orchestral like track listeners. Uh, there's different tracks. We've talked about elementary track a little bit on this podcast in previous episodes. See the Shauna episode and the Don Taylor episode. Um, but 
uh, they've added recently another track that you get an instrumental music ed degree. You can teach all levels still. You get your certification and you get to get good at some other aspect of it. So in this case, it's orchestra instead of elementary focus where I'm choosing one that's an elementary focus, but my boy Hayden here <laughs> was considering a string one, probably because he's been in chapels music <laughs> or string methods cool. class more than once. So. <laughs> Well, look, I play the euphonium, okay? I need to get – I have, like, one thing that I can do. And, and you like, could also do brass band. Oh, yeah, okay. I have two things that I can do. And they're both band, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a smart way of thinking. And, the, and certainly, here's the thing. At UNT, you get an all-level degree. So you can teach whatever you want music-wise when you get out. But wouldn't it be great to have some, some training, you know? Yeah. And knowing something. Um, and that's really the idea. So it's not like it, if you don't get the, the, if you're not on the string track, you can't ever teach orchestra. The thing is you can, and it's just super hard. And wouldn't it be great <laughs> yeah. to do it before? Because <laughs> there's so many, you know, there are more string jobs out there than people to fill them. Really? Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Because growing up in Texas, it's like there's an orchestra every like 100 schools or something like it's yeah. oh, but well, i could be wrong I, that was my perception as a band kid yeah yeah I, absolutely but you know like certainly there are not as many orchestra programs as band but in texas people come from all over the nation to be orchestra directors in texas because wow. there are there are jobs here and there are more jobs than can be filled at this point and fine arts directors like, hey, how can we make more string people? I'm like, I don't, I mean, here's how I can do it. We can make some band people string people. <laughs> Smart. And, wow. and the thing is, a lot of them fill that job because uh, the jobs are there. And there are lots of reasons to love doing orchestra um, as opposed to band. Um, I mean, one, if, you, if you're not that into marching band. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, you know, and you don't want to make that your life's work, and you're really into, I mean, symphonic literature, if you, there, there's, there's beautiful music to be made, um, so if any of that interests you, that's a good reason to go into orchestra, and, um, you know, it's a different vibe, kind of. <laughs> it is, from what I've heard. Yeah. I've never been in an orchestra. I'm sorry. <laughs> I enjoy orchestral music, and I can totally see how like I'm feeling convinced and drawn towards this degree track even now. So <laughs> I might, <laughs> I mean, you know, you could. So, I mean, what you, what you do for that is you, t is you take uh, string methods with me twice and then you take some secondary lessons um, on, on once you like you've tried one end of the spectrum and the other end of the spectrum, like high strings, low strings, and then you decide on, on one that you did particularly well with, and then you'll take some secondary lessons on it. And then you have some, some string skills and some, uh, you'll learn, you go to 4209 with me, but 4109 with band. Yeah. Right, so you learn some string pedagogy and then you uh, student teach half and half band and orchestra. That's how it all, that's kind of the, the difference. So you really get some some good training, I think. I hope it's new. Yeah. So I, I can only <laughs> hope at this point. 
She started talking about listeners. She started talking about how we do the, um, how would we get into this track and start like adjusting our degree plan. And I heard Hayden start typing. <laughs> <laughs> He's on it. <laughs> I don't know if you'll be able to hear that in the recording, but I just want you to know what happened. <laughs> Some things are visual. <laughs> so that's fabulous. That's, I've never had a string methods class with you. I've only ever had, I took one string methods class so far. And uh, it was with a grad student who, she was great. I had a great time and I learned a lot. Um, there's such a, yes, there's such a big like portion of your teaching that like is also teaching music ed or, you know, research about inclusion. And like, I don't know, I'm sure that those things really inform each other. Um, I guess the question I'm trying to, <laughs> there's a lot of questions I ask here about all these things, I guess in your times teaching strings, how do those inform the way that you teach your music ed classes, I guess, to start? Okay, so how did teaching um, orchestra for the 18 years or yeah, so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I feel like that, that's, a, that's a substantial teaching career. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of college professors didn't have that quite that long in the classroom, so I feel like um, it really informs my teaching it's my ability to relate to you guys like here's a here's a story about how I know <laughs> stories or whatever but also sure. I, I've spent a lot of time doing and thinking about teaching so um I've had like a, a ton of students I've had students um several students with uh IEPs you know and and so it I feel like I can relate to you guys real life type stories and situations and um so yeah i think it's completely important listeners for those of you who are not uh education majors or who are education majors you need to know this listen uh an iep <laughs> is an individualized education plan she's talking about ways that you can include students who might normally be disenfranchised and drawn away from music because they have to be accommodated in the classroom in their content areas and they might not be able to have music if you can't advocate for them. So guess where I learned that? Definitely not Dr. Chapel's music at one class. Ha ha ha. <laughs> well put. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> so, thanks. I've done a lot of reading since then. Uh, oh, these music ed yeah. classes get you all like, if you want to do music ed, you'll go to music ed one and you'll realize that it's either really what you want to do or you're pretty sure it's not what you want to do. <laughs> that's the whole point <laughs> that's what we want do you see a lot of people coming in and you see them and you're like this person doesn't really want to do this or this person really does <laughs> um, i wait for people to tell me because you can never mm. you know I, i'm not going to look at someone oh you're going to drop out <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess that would be horrible, that would be horrible. <laughs> but there are you know a few that you can see and they, they come and talk i've had people come to my office and sit down and just burst into tears and say like well, I, my mom really wants me to do this, and of course I want a job when I get out of school, but ugh, this is, I don't, I don't feel this at all, you know? <laughs> like, yes. And so we have this little get-together, and we talk about it, and I give them a tissue, and I'm like, it's, that's fine, you know? That's good. You should know that before you get a whole degree in it, you know? And, and uh, you're released, my child. <laughs> You're such a warm presence. It would be <laughs> music ed majors. Please, 
talk to Dr. Chapel if you're feeling dismay at music ed or really anything. Thanks. <laughs> well, and then also if you were feeling, if you're like, hey, you know what? I kind of like teaching. What would happen to me if I changed to, you know, degree plans? And, and so that's, that's the other way too. Cause there, are, I think a lot of people in the college music who didn't really know to go into music ed or didn't even know that that's something they like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> we've been going to these weekly uh, remote band um, oh, yeah. <laughs> lectures <laughs> and Corporan's always telling us about how um, we're always going to probably, like, even if you're a completely 100% performance, you're probably going to teach at some point. And if you like it, mm-hmm. it's not a bad gig. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well- Oh, go ahead. What's up? I, I was just going to say that I think our, our discussion about Duff um, has really led us into our, like, swiftly transitioned us into our next topic, which is your research. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I understand that your research is largely based around, like, inclusion and accessibility, and that might be a bit of a hot topic now more than ever. So could you please tell us a little bit about, I don't know, about your research, please? Sure. So, um, you know, I, I told you that I started with the idea that I wanted to be a music therapist. And so I wasn't off completely, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I do feel like I, uh, I practice music therapy from time to time and throughout my, <laughs> um, and, and so that is an interest of mine. Um, I am interested in people's stories. Um, I am in, so because of that, I am interested in um, narrative inquiry in research. Um, and I mean, I like numbers and, and, and seeing, you know, statistics and all that, but, it, but the thing that really gets me going is, is stories and, and understanding people's history. And I have a great podcast for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Good. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I'm so excited to do this because it's true. I I, I like hearing you know like how did how did we get here, um, and and how does that influence our philosophy, all those type of things. So I'm interested in historical research. I'm interested in narrative inquiry, and um, and generally marginalized populations, people who um, wouldn't otherwise get to be involved in music education. Hannah mentioned this briefly, like kids uh, with IEPs often aren't able to take the same electives that kids without IEPs, because sometimes if you have this um, IEP, they dictate what's in your schedule. Like um, very often kids uh, with disabilities have to take, everyone with a disability have to take study hall. So it, it eats away one of their electives. If there's only one elective offered on the campus, then that kid's out of luck. You know, no music for you. And what a shame, you know. So advocating for those kids, uh, figuring out ways for kids with disabilities to be involved. Because the thing is, kids with disabilities are just as likely or not to, uh, to do well with music, to be inspired by music, to make music their profession as anybody else. You know, like they're, that's they are just as likely to be great at it as bad as it as bad at it as anybody else sure yeah yeah 
So um, I that is that's where I am with my research, narrative inquiry, historical research. I am right now working on a, a paper about uh, a woman who um, she was an instrumental supervisor of music in Dallas, uh, a founder of the American String Teachers Association, Ooh. and I mean she was she was had wrote a, a textbook that was the adopted string textbook in the fifties. Um, in the fifties, I mean where everything was male dominated. She yeah. Was, Rocking it. <laughs> girl power. That's right. Yeah. Girl power uh, article is what I'm working on right now. That's really cool. So is your research like question focused or is it more like like creating like a more palatable version of these different historical facts? Like what does it look like for you to do research in your field specifically? Or um, I guess your specific like research area. Like historical research? Yeah, yeah. What does that look like? Um, it's uh consists of interviews so of course you know like anytime somebody's telling the story there's a, a bit of subjectiveness to it all so you need to get a couple of different perspectives but interviews with people newspaper articles um so it's a lot of like digging through um i i have an ancestry.com account and so i kind of find find interesting facts I, I really like finding historical facts that that help tell the story. Um, so this lady, her name is Marjorie Keller. She, oh man, she was, she was super cool and um, very good at advocating for herself, except um, not many people know about her now, but she was good at advocating herself for herself in that um, there are lots of newspaper articles about her and, and I, I was able to find a lot of good facts. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's trips to the library and files and, and interviews with people who worked with her and stuff like that. That sounds um, magical. I'm so sorry. I just, <laughs> I'm swept up in the sentimentality of like, you're like a detective. <laughs> but like for cool facts about music ed that help us make our industry better. Like, I, I'm about it. I <laughs> understand. <laughs> so, yeah. yes. Good for you. <laughs> I, that's amazing. So, were you? Did you always know you wanted to do this kinds of research? I know that you were interested originally in like scientific research because that you wanted to be a marine biologist. So, were you always like, I'm gonna go do research, and I'm already a great writer? Or did you? What did you have to do to like build your skills up? Um, you know, I don't. I. I didn't always know. This is sort of something I've stumbled upon rather recently. Like, yeah. oh, wow, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like I was, uh, yeah, I mean, I stumbled upon stuff and then re realized that that is a, a way that I, that it's something that really holds my attention for a long time. Um, and I can do some other things, and but it's, it's almost forced and it takes, a lot more time just like okay here i'm gonna sit and do this thing but i can spend hours and i don't even know i'm doing it with <laughs> some of the historical research in the narrative so like you go into the library with a cup of coffee and like you just look through all of the archives of newspapers and this and that and all the things and then you come out two days later like <laughs> my <Yeah>. coffee <laughs> <laughs> my coffee's kind of cold <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, 
it sounds like you are in love with what you do. Yes. I, That's I love it. I mean, That's I so love good. teaching kids and I loved being a, you know, a middle school teacher. I absolutely love that as well. Um, so I want to be clear about that. Oh, sure. But this allows me to kind of synthesize some of that, you know, the great parts of my teaching job. And, and you know, look, I'm, I'm in a different, this is a different point. I did it for 18 years. And so like we're at a different point in my career. Um, I, I love being able to sit and write and have, um, be able to think for longer than a 45 minute planning period. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I love UNT. I love my colleagues. Um, I Aww. love the students. My goodness, just that, just those discussions we have in 2310 are so fun. You know, yeah. I just all, all, all discussion with students and, and the, the people who are excited about being teachers. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it sounds idyllic. It like that's my dream. Yeah. I, <laughs> I I feel like yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. Listeners, for the record, she was describing this, and Hayden and I were both like in a sentimental stupor, like oh, oh <laughs> so <laughs> pleasant. <laughs> it sounds amazing. <laughs> so it's a good gig. It's a good gig indeed trying to do some research and keep going to school and stuff because that's my personal note that's yeah. my dream like i everyone doesn't have to do this job i am in love with the idea of it so well, i'm glad that we talked to you about it <laughs> well Hannah, just for like my personal reasons what's up you're definitely more research focused than i am I, I feel like for me i'm like a, i'm like the i gotta get out there and do it kind of kind of guy know. you know so you know, uh, I, a research kind of scares me. I'm like, oh my God, there's so much information and I have to know it. Uh, yeah. It's um, intimidating for sure. Yeah. I felt oh. that way before, for sure. You know, like, wow, I, am I doing, am I doing it right? You know, yeah. <laughs> that, that whole thing. Um, and then you, but there's so many different ways to do research. And, and so you just find the thing that, that you like and, or, yeah. Or you don't, you don't, or you do don't. Like, and you go yeah. do something else. <laughs> yeah. You go be an instrument repair technician, which is just as valid. Secret dream. Secret really? dream. I, I, oh, I, yeah. I freaking love repair. Repair is so cool. and I are cool. both in. <laughs> Watch out, listeners. We want to have Justin from UNT's Brass Repair Shop on the podcast. We're both in his class this semester. Oh, my God. It's so cool. <laughs> Mm. There's all kinds of fun, cool stuff to do that's not research listeners. If you don't want to do research, you could probably never do it and get your music degree and just go be happy teaching marching band forever. And, <laughs> and no ever. one no one would ever be mad at you for that. So <laughs> you are valid. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like um, being, being in music as a kid. Like not everyone's going to end up playing music for the rest of their life, but, but it would be so nice if what they got out of playing in your class was an appreciation for the effort it takes sure. and being able to sit in, you know, knowing, knowing the social rules of sitting in an audience, for instance, you know, so that's, you can liken it to the research thing. Well, I mean, some people are going to do it and, and be excited about it. And some people, if you just had an appreciation for maybe how to, how to read it and how and how to determine if it is 
well done or not, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would, that would be, that would be great. Sure. Then it can I, inform your feet. Music class, something that really motivates me is that music class for me isn't like, when I'm teaching it, it's not so, this is going to sound bad. Don't quote me out of context. This is college music in yeah, context, is... guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really even for me. Like, it's about music, but it's bigger than that. It's kind of more about community for yeah. me because mm -hmm. everyone is musical. There's all these – oh, we talked about this in 2310. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> there's all these, like, pre – Things people bring to the table, thoughts about music that are like, music's not for me. I'm not musical. Or I didn't come from a musical family. My grandmother, absolutely convinced she can't sing. Everyone can sing. Like, of course, yeah. anybody can make music. And um, music is for everyone. Music isn't just for the people who are going to be good at it. And chances are, most people aren't going to be <clears throat> good, in quotation marks, at it. In the way that, you know... Caleb Hudson is fantastic at trumpet. Shout out to Caleb Hudson. Um, <laughs> that's not the goal, really. If you're teaching a high school band, your job isn't just, like, make them play, like, the Berlin Phil. Right. Uh, which would it'd be great if they did. But <laughs> the, it's about the people, because you're teaching people. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry I went on my soapbox there, but... It gets me so stoked to think about giving music to everyone. Yeah, you know I agree. I mean, yeah, so <laughs> I mean, if you sorry, like, I know that's super controversial, but right, right, right. But here I am, agree with you. Um, but I, I, you know, there's uh, there's kids. There's maybe one percent of the kids you teach will end up with a career in music. So if that's your goal, you might feel like a failure. <laughs> um, and and so yeah, there's much bigger reasons to be a part of it. It could be for a year in their life. It's the thing that gets them really excited and going to school. It could be the place where they meet their best friend or whatever, you know, or they, um, you know, they learn that when you practice, you get better at something, which seems so simple, but so many kids think that somehow you're born with something and then that's that, you know, so, if they learn that if you practice, you can get better at something, you can, you know, and everyone can learn a skill, you know, with good, with good teaching. That was totally <laughs> enchanting to me as a high school kid, because I didn't know I wanted to go into music. I thought I was terrible at it. I still don't think I'm that great at it. I'm working on it, guys. But, uh, <laughs> um, but the idea that, like, you can work hard at something and watch yourself get better is like, wow. <laughs> It was so exciting for me as a kid. And I want to bring that to other people. That's why I'm a music ed major. So, go me yeah. green. <laughs> oh, you know what I want to talk about just a little bit is mm -hmm. more about um, studying, with, like getting your, let's see, PhD in okay. Austin. Or, okay. yes. So, working with Judith Jillison and, you know, Ending up where Don Taylor was in his office. Let, I want to hear about, like, the grad school days. Yeah. What is it like to be in grad school? And then, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, that's the question. What's it like to be in grad school? Hannah's <laughs> just so weird. Yeah, referencing the story that, that I had told uh, Hannah yes. yesterday, I think, was, was that um, 
Dr. Taylor and I um, studied under Judith Jellison um, at slightly different times. He was leaving as I was coming in. And in fact, I told him how um, I actually took over his office. When he left, I took over his office and it was this tiny little closet um, in the music building, like super tiny and it had tinfoil on the ceiling. Um, and <laughs> but, but uh, so Dr. Taylor and I passed like ships in the night at, at UT Austin. Um, but so what was it like? So um, I, I mean, I loved my, my time as a graduate student. Um, I got to get experience teaching college level classes, um, building my own syllabus and, you know, just like the freedom with which to, <laughs> here's the general thing that you need to teach in this class. And then I could just make up all the activities and the syllabus so that was just so exciting. Um, and interacting with my peers who are also interested in just learning stuff. And I love, I, I just love learning stuff and talking about stuff. And so for me, that was the great part of graduate school. It sounds like fun. Uh, yeah. Out of curiosity, mm -hmm. um, I know this is the college music, the UNT College Music in Context podcast, but I'm curious, is it like, is it a lot different being at music school elsewhere and then coming here and like, mm -hmm. what's, what makes it different? UNT versus other yeah, places? Yeah, UNT versus yeah. other places. Cause well, I've only you, ever gone here. <laughs> I mean, one thing, there's the um gosh i wish i had the staff up at the top of my head but unt is big all right um yeah. the music school is uh i want to i want to say the biggest public university music school but okay we're not constantly duking it out for first yeah. or second yeah i'm sure but mm -hmm. it's huge and most music schools are not that huge um i think you know in this quarantine time being in my office because I'm in my office right now usually there's just so much going on and you can hear so many different layers of music going on at all times I love that um, there's there are so many music professors in the College of Music that after five years of being here I don't know them all um, <laughs> not even by face you know and like not even just like oh yeah you look for no I have no clue um, you know for, for quite quite a number of them so that's I think a difference from you from you and just the size and the number of musicians and how big the the student the fact that I'm able to teach a string specific senior level music ed course um, looks to like my colleagues in music ed are not able to do have such a luxury oh okay so because there's so many people it encourages specialization in a way that you just don't get elsewhere yeah so i can talk about string pedagogy in particular in my classes whereas if i taught that it probably would be with choir band and orchestra all together like 2310 yeah is, you know that's great but being able to specialize and really get to the nitty-gritty of pedagogy I think makes one a better teacher. Do you think that might be why um, in Texas um, like we see a lot of specialization uh, in music education like like you're not gonna get a job as a percussion director anywhere but here probably yeah uh, yeah 
But Texas. <laughs> Texas! We both, <laughs> Hayden and I simultaneously, listeners, just did the, like, go mean green fingers. The eagle claw. And, like, the, the go mean green all... fingers. Yeah, that's what it means. Yeah. Go the, mean green. The eagle claw. <laughs> anyway. So, <laughs> Texas. But um, Texas has this, like, weirdly specific, like, music ed in Texas is renowned for being super specific and pretty high quality. Do you think that might be why, like, there's just so many people that we can be that specialized with it? Um, well, I don't think, I think that it's, it is specialized because the demand for high quality programs in mm -hmm. Texas. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's led by, by the university or specifically UNT. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's led by this, um, I mean, uh, there's goods and bads, of course, but that led by UAL, because there's that pressure to have that high quality. So they want teachers who know what they're doing, you know, whereas in other states, you if you're a music teacher, you might teach band, orchestra, and choir, all in your same day. That's so um, hard. <laughs> well, it's it can't be very specialized you know yeah. um or i can't i won't say can't there's fabulous teachers out there but there's um the the luxury of being able to teach orchestra all day long say um is it's not completely uniquely texas but but um it's one of the few states that you can that you could just do that and so then you get to focus on that one thing and you know if you're thinking about it all day get better at it you know and <laughs> yeah yeah so Texas I think music ed hits different yeah <laughs> you can quote me on that one too yeah. <laughs> quotable mugs yeah. merch coming soon actually for real we were thinking about doing that yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah we were thinking about having like a oh no merch reveal we were thinking oh. about having a <laughs> <laughs> like a practice north and practice south like one shirt it's like i'm a northerner and the other shirt's like i'm a southerner i'm a little worried about like i don't well, want to sound civil warish yeah. <laughs> we would do that because normally on our rapid fire question segment that look at that coming seg soon well, yeah look at that uh segue uh, we have a question that's like, oh, practice north or south, and then we have like a war, and it's a thing. Anyway. Hayden uh, tries to put me on a side because he likes one of them better. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, we won't reveal. They're the but same. They're not. <laughs> they're cl very clearly not. One is south and one is north. Okay. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just did the biggest eye roll, but okay. <laughs> anyway. frame something. <laughs> it is our viewers know that it is time for the rapid fire question segment oh yeah we don't actually have that question in this one because we know that you're not going to the practice place. yeah you have a whole office where you could practice if you wanted we've mm -hmm. asked other music ed professors this question and he's they've all been like well i, I don't i've never been in either building <laughs> yeah so <laughs> okay we have more um Universal questions such as yes. Waffle House or IHOP or Denny's. Waffle House. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The only person who's answered in the way that I agree with. Thank you. Ew. No choice. Like, Waffle House has the vibes. But yeah. IHOP has the splash berry. Can oh. you get the splash berry oh. at? Yikes. It's not good mm. enough. No, 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 no. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Chapel. Catch us hanging out at the Waffle House next to university. 
Um, <laughs> um, oh, I, I'm proud of this one. If you were a menu item at Starbucks, what would you be? Uh, oh, uh, um, trying to think. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Iced green tea latte. Oh, absolutely. That's such a good answer for you. She, she's wearing a green dress right now in her UNT office. It's such a good look. Uh, 10 out of 10. You know, just by happenstance, green is my favorite color. Always has been. Really? Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, totally uh, at home here. Huh. <laughs> Amazing. Most people like answer green when th their favorite color is asked because it's like they get bullied if they don't say green. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like. It's really my favorite color. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always like, what's your favorite color? <sighs> you get like the face but anyway what is your favorite Dippin' Dots flavor Ooh, mint chocolate chip oh. because it's green or because it's mint <laughs> that's great um, I think the only one only other person we've had do that is Dr. Graf so joining the elite mint chocolate chip club um, because the brownie batter one isn't obviously the superior flavor. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, oh, yes. I also quite like this one. Which of your fingers is your least favorite? <laughs> um, you know, I'm a true string player, so my pinky finger is ah, the weakest. That would do it. I don't ever have to worry about that finger because I play trumpet, and there's only three buttons. Uh, so. keep and even skills. when I play pick, I do the... You do the index finger instead of your. I that needs a visual. Sorry, listeners, I can't help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Favorite hot pocket flavor. Oh my. Um, I would just go with my son's favorite because oh, you guys. Um, the the cheese the cheese pizza one. There's a cheese, cheese one. one? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Cheese. No pe no pepperoni. Just cheese, cheese um, bread. My plate. Um, cheese. <laughs> Great. Know that. Cheese pizza. Mm -hmm. That's a loaf with cheese inside of it. Yeah. <laughs> a, fried, a fried loaf. Oh, with sorry. Cheese. Excuse me. Yes. <laughs> but that's what my son likes only because I bullied him into not liking the pepperoni one because it has the night pizza. That's not healthy. Oh. <laughs> Noted. Wow. I, I don't eat Hawk Pockets anymore. I used to yeah. in high school. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I would say I'm too cheap to eat Hot Pockets, but they're pretty cheap. <laughs> oh, ooh, the next one's pretty good. Justify the alto clef, go. Oh, the alto clef is like, it's uh, the road less traveled. Um, <laughs> it is it's located right between the, the overdone treble clef and the whatever bass clef that's too low to hear anyway. And it's right there in the perfect middle. That's <laughs> okay. not the answer I was expecting, but it should have been. Yeah. <laughs> I, we were describing how, it was in the Dippin' Dots question. We were, ask, we were thinking, should we ask her the Dippin' Dots question? We always ask the Dippin' Dots question. She might not have a favorite Dippin' Dots flavor. And Hayden said no. She's so whimsical. She'll definitely have a Dippin' Dots flavor. And that just, your answer to justifying the alto clef said everything we need to know. <laughs> Brilliant.
The road okay. less traveled. That's going on a shirt too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, write that down. Write that down right now. Go, go, go. The road less traveled. It's right next to right below Hannah Brayfield music detective. Um, he writes little notes. notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite M and M flavor. Green. <laughs> I always hope they're gonna answer. We've asked this question a couple times. I always hope they're gonna answer with the color because there are flavors of M and M's, but we mean color. But flavor is hilarious. So yeah, I mean flavor, like what raspberry? Oh yeah. No, oh I know, because oh, they're like different. Oh, like the peanut butter. And yeah, the, yeah. Okay, but I'm right. hoping everyone will be like, what, and then answer a color instead. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so I did. I I went with what you. Yeah. Thank so you. Flash <laughs> coffee flavored. I've heard those yeah. are good. Coffee flavored. Those are good. Yeah, with coffee in the middle instead of like peanut butter or whatever. Ooh. We're going to have to try it. I haven't tried any recommendations people have made on these rapid fire questions. They all sound good. I just <laughs> am cheap and <laughs> don't buy candy. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, really good. Not, not healthy. No. Oh. There's a Kit Kat, Kit Kat around here somewhere. But anyway, <laughs> ideal union lunch. Ooh. Starbucks. Fair. Okay. I never expect anyone to really answer this one because, like, no professors eat at the union for lunch, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. What's the What's the restaurant called? Avesta. 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 Yeah, that's. I've heard it. that one's pretty good. It's mm -hmm. pretty good. Hmm. I keep saying I'll go, and then I now I'm do. scared to go to the union. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of scary. On. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hayden and I did go yesterday uh, for lunch, um, and he finally, he's been talking for months, all summer. He's like, Hannah, every time we ask someone this question, it's the combo at the Flat Top Grill. They give you five nuggets. They give no, you a no, drink. No, it's ten nuggets, Sorry, oh. five tenders. It's wow. a very important distinction because the deal is so amazing. Like, it's five nuggets would be combo. like... Kind of like an okay, but 10 nuggets. That's so okay. Look, check it for five dollars. You get 10 nuggets or five tenders, a huge basket of fries, and a drink. Five bucks. It's we are not really affiliated good. with UNT or the studio. I, I don't care. I'm all about a good deal. Yeah. I, I tried it on Wednesday, it was pretty good. So. Yeah, good, high quality nugs. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, I'm getting off my nugget box. <laughs> if you had to change your identity and start a new life, like you're in the witness protection program or something, what would your inconspicuous identity be? Ah, uh, I would, um, like a, like, um, like a profession, what I do. Just like part. everything, I guess. Like, describe I, me. Life. All right, I would have a fabric store and um sew little things and you know put on etsy and and collect cool fabrics to sell and run sewing classes i love wow. that so much do you like to sew i do well, i guess duh but <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. first i'd learn to sew no <laughs> I love to sew. <laughs> okay, I mean, my answer would have something to do with beekeeping, and I've never kept bees in my whole life, so I would have to learn how to do that. But totally, a total homesteader. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, I'd go off the grid 100%. You would not be able to find me because yeah. I would be a shriveled up old woman keeping bees Indeed. till I die peacefully <laughs> in my sleep, or maybe you know, in a giant battle with a giant bee shaped robot. I don't know. Um, anyway, oh, I always like this one. We try to ask people who have kids on the show. Mm -hmm. um, 
What's your favorite kids show protagonist of like the shows that you've watched with your kids? Hmm. Okay, let's see. Uh, I mean, Adventure Time is the show. Oh, oh yes. Because yeah. um, my, my son, um, my youngest child is, uh, is uh, my son and his name's Finn. So that's, you know, he's pretty <laughs> stoked at that. At least was it because of that? Like, how old no. is Finn? Okay. <laughs> he's 15. So it was, no, he discovered the show, you know, and he's like, whoa. The, they have this his show. name's Finn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Jake and, um, hmm. So I guess that, that, uh, that princess that was like, it may not. An awful wizard. <laughs> amazing every character on adventure that's my favorite awesome that's a good choice (laughs) yeah okay would you rather (laughs) oh yes i'm very proud of this question (laughs) would you rather fight one bass sized violin or 10 violin sized basses all right one bass sized violin Ooh, that sounds awful or uh the 10 basses because because of the construction the little tiny ones would hardly make any sense. They'd just be so ineffectual. Oh. They need like the big body to, to boom it out. And with the little tiny bodies, they'd just be ineffectual. Mm. Wow. You could just step on them. Thinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. I was hoping you'd be like, wait a minute. One bass sized violin is just a bass. <laughs> with this bass. They're a little different. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Like that could actually kill you. Uh, uh, that an E string, the size for oh, a yeah. bass, the, oh my the, God. The, the skinny one, that would be an actual weapon. It would just like <laughs> move at you with the E string side and like slit your throat. Oh, <laughs> oh my no. God. Oh my God. <laughs> Explicit <laughs> content, your discretion advised. <laughs> we, Hannah, we <laughs> talked about this exact concept in String Methods last Thursday. <laughs> you did? So, yeah. <laughs> amazing okay that question keep that thought in mind because it's going to come back the next question doesn't have anything to do with it what's your favorite place on campus okay my favorite place on campus my awesome my awesome awesome office it's really cute i love the plant she panned her camera over to face her pant her plant my cute window i think that tree that's right in front of the music building is that's uh right next to the sign that says music that's that's where my i can just see everything going on love it ideal yes so cute oh that's where i want to be oh i'm proud to have this question you have to fight in a duel, but you can only fight using one musical instrument. What instrument is your weapon of choice? The mighty, powerful viola. Viola. All right. Yes. Again, just that, like, the road less traveled type idea. Um, <laughs> you just never see it coming. Like, you know, they're just, <laughs> yeah. well, that seems nice. and But it's, like, low enough to get the, you know, to really get in there and then high enough to um to fight the good fight wow you know i was thinking of like a physical duel but i love the idea <laughs> yeah. that it's a musical duel <laughs> yeah. like i had like not pictured that georgia or something yeah. oh yeah that's exactly what i was thinking of <laughs> <laughs> i mean i guess yeah like a, the whole eastern thing like a giant 
violin based thing with the, with the E string that's deadly. I mean, I guess, but no, no, let's do a musical. That's more. That's I like more. a musical duel. That question incoming in future weeks, listeners. But uh, <laughs> we have one last final questions before we finish. So the question, drumroll, please. Uh, How was your day? My day? <laughs> yeah. Was great. I taught um, 2310 online this morning before I came to you. And um, that was really fun. It's uh, it, the same type of fun that I had in person, which is so exciting when that happens. That's amazing. Yay. Online yeah. classes are pretty hit or miss. So that's mm -hmm. really good to hear. I mean, I don't know how they feel about it. But we had a great discussion like we we had as if we were in person and um and then we broke into groups and stuff and i i i i hope from my perspective it's going well you never know <laughs> <laughs> but um and i played them some music beforehand so Aww. that sounds Aww. nice That's i'm amazing. a fan mm -hmm. so far great day yeah well i hope the anyway. rest of your day is awesome yeah thanks you too well, it is about time that we wrap this up, though. So, um, again, thank you, Dr. Chapel, for joining us today. Uh, we totally enjoyed it. It was awesome. Um, but, again, it's time we wrap this up. So um, thank you guys very much for watching. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week on the UNT College of Music In Context podcast. Bye. Thanks for having me. Woo!